Hey folks, welcome to another edition of the Mayfair Theatre Podcast. I'm Andrew, and this week is a special show because after about 73 podcasts, we finally have our first guest, and that is Julia Marchesi, the director of Out of Print, a documentary about 35mm film and the new Beverly Cinema in L.A., the film premieres at the Mayfair beginning July 2nd, and uh, earlier this week, or last week actually, Julia spoke to Lee, Josh, and myself about her filmmaking debut and how special and rare celluloid on the big screen has become. So we hope you enjoy the interview, but first, check out the audio version of the trailer for Out of Print. This is like friends hanging out, having a movie club. Watching a movie there with, with, with an audience is better than any theater I've ever been to in my life. It's a little gem enclave in L.A. that, that there really isn't anything like it. That always goes on the corkboard right there. When I walked into the new bed and looked at, at the calendar, same feeling I had, just, ah, oh, warmth that comes over you. I mean, what, what's wonderful about the new Beverly is the camaraderie that forms. I picked my first apartment based on proximity to the new Beverly. There are so few theaters like the new Beverly that are an endangered species. I think revival houses are, are our best hope to keep the traditional language of cinema alive. Uh, you don't get into repertory to become rich. You do it because you love what you do and you love the films and you love the people who come to see the films. If you look at the history of cinema, it's always been about massive transitions in what gets shaken out. It was silent to sound, it was black and white to color, it was the studio system to independence, and now it's celluloid to digital. I mean, everybody knew that this digital thing was coming, but I don't think anybody quite realized how fast it was going to happen. It's the push-pull of the, the old world and, you know, the, the new Jack <laughs> way of doing things, you know what I mean? The connection to the new Beverly and the connection to film are two interlocked. The print itself has a history to it. Films should be seen in the manner in which they were intended to be seen by the filmmaker. The fact that people don't count film as an important thing to save is bewildering. Just because it's dying doesn't mean it's dead. Doesn't mean you have to let it fall. You don't have to sit there and be like, what a shame. Look at it die. Why won't anyone help it? You can help it. It doesn't take a lot of people to keep a revival theater going. It just takes the faithful. relationship with the new Bev, mostly sexual. So we were chatting about how I I got to see your film because I chipped in a couple bucks to the, the old Kickstarter campaign. Oh, thank you. And, but part of me was like, oh, it's a shame to watch it like this, but I really want to watch it because I want to watch it on 35mm, which mm-hmm. now I'll happily get a chance to do. Yay! But I also saw you before that in a VHS documentary. Ah, I rewind this. Yeah, so you already had some kind of nerd cred before the accomplishment of a feature-length documentary under your belt. I know, and it's so weird, because I'm, I'm in that movie for like 30 seconds. Yeah. But I, I guess the fact that I have a color-coordinated VHS collection is is memorable. Yeah, I've seen that on Instagram, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I just do it because I like rainbows and <laughs> I, I do. And I, you know, I have a rainbow bracelet on that I wear cause I love rainbows. And if people think that I'm gay, then whatever they can, but I'm not, but that's cool. I like rainbows. Um, and things just look better when they're color coordinated. They don't look as messy. That's my, my take on it. Apparently it showed in Japan and apparently the Japanese loved it. Yeah. <laughs> loved that, that I had that, like, you know, they're so into design. And where are you, um, whereabouts, I, I've only been to L.A. a couple times. Lee's probably a bit more familiar with the stomping grounds of the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Where do I live? Really, you don't need to give an address, but whereabouts are you in? in uh... <laughs> I think you're going to hear the place uh, that I live in. It's called Hollywood. Ah, yes. I actually live in Hollywood, California, and it sounds so much more glamorous than it actually is. How many cinemas are left in Los Angeles that can show 35 millimeter? Not very many. Um, I know there's some that have it, like, I think the Arclight has it, like, for special occasions, but they don't run it every day. Um, Obviously, the New Beverly's, you know, 35 only. Um, I think the New Art and the Arrow and the Cinematheque are all pretty good. Is Cine Family, is that a... Is that... Oh, yeah, they do th- They do 35 for sure. Yeah. And they do everything. They do VHS, they do 16, they, you know... Right. They're, they're hardcore. And the rest of the United States, I imagine, like, uh, it's getting harder and harder. I mean, in Canada, we screened... What was the last 35mm print we had for any Too movie? Late. Too late. And I think it only played in three cinemas in Canada, which is the second largest wow. country in the world. Uh yeah, it's getting uh, the, the pickings are getting slimmer. So, so how many places would you say show thirty five there? Uh, in 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 Ottawa, no, in in, in in Canada, if you would. Well, I would say uh, there's still we went. I think Toronto has a few theaters. Yeah. Uh, Montreal must have a few theaters. I think there's in in, in Regina, but that's it. Uh, Especially anywhere that has a festival behind it, like. Like, of course, TIFF in Toronto or our friends right. uh, Fantasia in Montreal, they at least get their... their. I mean, TIFF does stuff year-round now, mm-hmm. so they, ha- right. they have that. But a lot of theaters, even like 20 years ago, I lived in Vancouver and, you know, however many theaters showing 35, and now, sadly, half of those theaters are extinct, if not more. Yeah. Do you know, do you know Harry Guerrero? No, He's a I private p- print collector in Philadelphia. Oh. Um, he's led a few prints to New Beverly in the past. I think he's the largest, he has the largest print collection in the world. I was at his house this past weekend. and I th- Wow, what was that was, like? That sounds it, amazing. It was incredible. I feared for a flood. <laughs> but, but it was like the, yeah. the end of the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, in, in that warehouse with boxes. But these were all prints. And it was pretty amazing. And I think, you know, he, had, he, he turned his garage into a cinema. And I think you're going to see more of that turning up than, you know... <laughs> Obviously, more cinemas at thirty-five millimeter capability. That's bitching. It is. I would if I if I had the money for that, I would I would do it in a heartbeat. And you'd have to arrange your thirty-five millimeter prints rainbow colored. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but if everything turns to pink, if everything's faded pink. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's just the pure. I mean, it's like anything. I, I I'm fascinated how I have a lot of friends with kids, or like Lee's got a couple kids. Uh, they're going to grow up in this very Spartan world of, I don't know what's going to be on shelves anymore because even now, like I, I'm, I'm a big comic book collector. My wife got me a subscription to this thing called Marvel Unlimited, which is essentially Marvel Comics Netflix. 
<laughs> and it's staggering. There's like 17,000 comics on it. Wow. But everything's going digital. Like, there's no... I don't know if we'll ever live in a world without books or newspapers 100%. But we... Even recently, we did um, a birthday rental. And some kids came in and watched a, a, a Blu-ray on the big screen. And they always want to come up and see the projection booth, which is fun. And as I was explaining it to the little kid, I realized that he had no concept of physical media. He didn't even know what the Blu-ray was. Because in his five or six years of life, he doesn't have CDs or DVDs or anything like that. He just sees everything on an iPad, probably. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah, I had a friend, uh, I, I collect vinyl, and I had a friend come over with her little girl, and, she, you know, whenever I'm like, oh, look, this is a record player, and she took her hand and she went, bap, and she just hit the needle oh, yeah. to get it across the record. <laughs> we all went, oh, my God, and she was like, she didn't know. Like, she just, uh, so, I was like, she didn't even know what it was. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the thing is, is there's the people who prefer going forward with crazy technology in the future, and there's the people who prefer staying in the past, and I'm one of the ladder you know I really like having you know physical books I'm not gonna ever read on a kindle or whatever like I just need that book like I I love the smell of bookstores and going to thrift stores and finding finding VHS but I'm in the minority so you know but that's what I'm fighting for anyway so there has to be somebody to stand up for it and so I guess that was me in the case of film it's the smell of vinegar yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not something you want to smell no. at all. No. No, like you said, it's uh, that vinyl, it, 35 millimeter projection, and, and appreciating it, it, it is like vinyl for, for, for on the yeah. big screen. Yeah, we um, uh, so we just uh, out of print just played in uh, Omaha at the Draft House there in thirty five. Oh wow! And then the week after that, it played in Estes Park, Colorado, in the oldest theater in the U.S., which uh, parentheses is only newly the new the new the oldest theater in the U.S. because the last two in New York, the oldest ones in the U.S. both closed wow. with the digital changeover. Yeah. Wow. So I they so so they showed it in Blu-ray. Um, and so I saw 35 millimeter and then like three days later I saw it in Blu-ray and the difference was crazy. Like it's just a different movie completely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they say that 35 millimeter, I mean, 4k TVs are now starting to, you know, fly off the shelves at Best Buy, but they say 35 millimeter still, I think the equivalent of 6k. Right. And, and, yeah. It's not caught up to no. it. You know, that's always been one of the things I think is so weird about it is like, wait till it's good enough yeah like there's no need to do it now when it's not good enough but it's just money well, and stuff. yeah money they made it seem like if we switch to digital everyone's going to save money and everything's going to be cheaper and easier but with digital with dcp it's harder and just as expensive to ship and uh, uh yeah and if something goes wrong with it you can't even really fix it yourself <laughs> it's so frustrating <laughs> You know, we have a 35 millimeter print of uh, Rocky Horror once a month, and we, nice. we lost. We lost. Uh, what we lost. The, we didn't lose power, but our DCP shut down, and that whole week, the only thing we could show, show was, was Rocky, Rocky Horror. Horror. Yeah, that was the only That's thing. That's amazing. Yeah. And that, that was the week that sadly we're we're a little bit cursed with showing movies sometimes, and then the filmmaker dying. And that was the night we were gonna. And we didn't mean this as a tribute screening, but we had. Caddyshack booked, right? Yeah. And then it was like that day or the next day Harold Ramis died and the theater shut down. So it was this crazy curse that we have underneath us. But uh, yeah, like we screened 
we have the we, we're the lucky coincidence that we have a big projection booth so we didn't have to throw out our 35 to get in our digital good which means that every once in a while when a film like yours or too late something new comes out or i had my fingers crossed but it didn't come to be but i remember hearing that force awakens and and uh hateful eight we're gonna have 35 millimeter available we we didn't we didn't manage to get our whole a hold of either of those Mm -hmm. we screen them digitally but it's just nice to have that every once in a while we might stumble on an old one or have something offered up to us that at least it's there. And just to tell you a little bit about us, like our theater is 1932 nice. and single house movie theater. Um, I, I wish we had the money to throw around to fly you in for your premiere, but we don't. I know. <laughs> I want, I would love, I want to be there so bad. And I know, you know, you guys have been so supportive. The Mayfair theater has been amazingly supportive on Twitter and on Facebook and and I think that you know I'm so happy you guys are showing it and I hope that it uh brings people out you know because it's basically about your kind of theater Mm -hmm. and saying that these kind of theaters are so so important and you know the more people that see that I think it kind of the better I get a lot of emails from people wanting to see it at our theater yeah oh awesome yeah good yeah I wish I could be there but I'll be there in spirit yes uh, I, I got to say, uh, the, the, the participants in your documentary is really impressive. You know, my, my son, he's 10 years old, and he loves your trailer, and he, 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 he wanted me to ask. First of all, Uncle, Uncle Lloydie, Uncle Lloyd Kaufman's oh, yeah. been to the Mayfair, and he calls him Uncle Lloydie, and he was excited to see Uncle Lloydie, but my son wanted me to ask you, uh, what was Ryan Johnson like? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, all right, so I'm going to tell you a secret okay. uh, that's not really a secret. I'm totally in love with Ryan Johnson. He's so is my son. So, yeah, he's so smart and he's so nice and he's so gorgeous. And (laughs) yeah, um, he was, he, I mean, his, I think you can tell watching the film that filming him and Noah together was the most fun because they were just having fun with each other and know each other so well. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so incredibly happy for Ryan and I think that. You know, I hope that Star Wars, you know, will do, of course, Star Wars will do well and it, you know, but I think going on to other things after that to be able to do, you know, whatever he wants, I think he deserves it because he works really, really hard. And he's shooting Star Wars on 35 millimeter. Yes. Yes, he <laughs> because is. Because of you. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not because of me. I wish. But now but it is really weird because um, by a weird coincidence, I was out of the country. Um, I was in, the, I was cruising the Amazon as you do, um, when Ryan Johnson was announced for Star Wars. So mm. I didn't know for like, like three weeks. And I came home and I had a text message from my boyfriend, and he said, "Google Ryan Johnson." And I was like, "Oh my god, why?" And then I, I was like, "Oh my god, really?" <laughs> and so like I look at it now, and I'm like, "Man, I know that guy. He's gonna direct Star Wars, and I know that guy. It's crazy." That is very cool. It's nice my son feels like he has a connection to your movie now, to Star Wars now because of your movie. <laughs> Six degrees. Well, no. That's right. Well, I, you can tell your son that Ryan Johnson is an incredibly sweet and smart and nice, kind fellow. That's nice of you to say. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's, your trailer is playing in rotation this week and I think last week as well. And even though I've seen the, the film, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a sucker. I cry at everything. If, if, I, I, could, I, I could list the movies I don't cry in, and that'll be a shorter list than the movies <laughs> I cry in. But even the trailer is just, it's emotional when, especially, I, I love Patton Oswalt. And, oh, he's amazing. And on the other side of the scale, I admit, 
and I'm glad he admits this as well. I'm more of a fan of him as a podcaster than a filmmaker, but in the past couple of years, I've become a really big fan of Kevin Smith, the storyteller slash filmmaker mm-hmm. uh, slash podcaster, and just hearing them talk about their love of the game and, you know, especially the books the Patton's written. Uh, so mm-hmm. when you... When you got a hold of those guys, were those people who had crossed your paths before as a cinema employee, or did you contact them as a filmmaker? Well, um, so, you know, I I worked at the New Beverly for eight years, and while I was there, I started a guest programming series, and it was basically, you know, Edgar started, Edgar Wright started it, and then he knew Eli Roth, and then Eli Roth knew Joe Dante, and Joe Dante knew, you know, all, it just went on and on and on. Um, And so I got to know the people you know the new beverly has a very casual thing so what did have did have uh, i don't know what it has now i haven't been back but um did have a very casual vibe so i got to be quite friendly with most of the people who came in because we love movies together you know and and so i was really lucky because i could actually reach out to all of those people and not have to go through their agents or their managers or whatever and just say you know i'm making this movie about you know, the new Beverly and also about how important this stuff is. And everybody just said yes. And, um, it was so amazing to hear, you know, all of those guys are, are just heroes of mine and to be able to mm-hmm. just hear their experiences and their opinions. I mean, we shot like 50 or 60 hours of footage, you know, like there's a lot and there's, you know, the film's only 86 minutes. So there's only so much you can fit in, but it was incredible to hear all these guys talk really really awesome yeah I showed my movie at the New Beverly you did what is your movie I showed a film called Smash Cut that I directed and David Hess the star of Last House on the Left I know who David Hess is thank you very much (laughs) I usually have to say that to people (laughs) I know Uh, Last House on the Left is one of my like Wes Craven's my favorite yeah Yeah. so that movie's so brutal and David and I hung out in your projection booth for a while and got to show our movie there which was a lot of fun was I there? Well, I, it was late. It was a last-minute thing. Um, I was in town with David Hess and Sasha Gray, the two stars in the movie, and all of a sudden we got invited to the show. Um, what what year, month was God, it? That would have been two, what, 2009, 2010? Yeah, 2010. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I, mean, I remember Sasha comes in, came in yes. quite a bit. Every time um, we show a Jean-Luc Godard film, she's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she had very refined taste. Yes, yes. She's so beautiful. She's cool. Yeah, she's she's a cinest. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, and David Hess, I assume, is nothing like his on-screen persona. No, he is a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, crude. <laughs> no, he's yeah, yeah. He was he, he's great. He's, he he loves. Uh, he lo- you know it's funny going to see movies with David because every time and I've seen movies at the New Beverly with David. Uh, he always every movie I see with him he compares to Last House on the Left. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I will, I will tell you a little fangirl tidbit about me okay. is that uh, for Halloween one year, I used to have uh, brown hair down to my waist. And so one year I dressed as Mary from Last House oh, on the Left. Nice. <laughs> I had a peace necklace and I had a red shirt and brown pants. And then I wrote in blood Karuga on my chest and had oh. it all dripped down. 
Nobody understood what I was <laughs> at all, but I, I felt really cool. <laughs> I had a friend, a, a girlfriend, in the, a, a friend of mine who happened to be a girl. <laughs> she lived in Toronto, and she made herself a T-shirt that said, I'll piss my pants for David Hess <laughs> from that movie to impress him, and she met him. And That's cool. I like girls who, they just, they, who go gaga over that movie, and David, because most people are afraid of him. I also yeah. went with uh, um, uh, Mark Scheffler would go to the New, um, New Beverly with us. Uh, who That's played awesome. Junior in the film. Anyway, we're, we're, yeah, that, we're digressing, but... Yeah, it always happens. <laughs> yeah. That, well, I could talk about West Craven forever, so let's, let's move on <laughs> if we need to. Yeah, we need to. So, uh, you're kind of on the festival circuit now, right? Are you, you're getting to travel around a bit? Um, it's not doing festivals, it's just playing oh, just in different okay, theaters. right, yeah. Uh, so it did have a, a, a festival run, and then it's been playing uh, in universities and in cinemas for the last couple of years, actually. Um, and I, so I now have the honor of saying that it's played in the oldest cinema in the U.S. and also the oldest cinema in the world, cool. which is in Denmark. I think the oldest cinema in Canada now, too. Yeah, you will be able to say that, oh, too. Oh, nice. <laughs> awesome. And the oldest theater in Canada. Yeah. That's sweet. We're as old as the Joe Louis. Joe Louis was, I don't know if you know what the Joe Louis is in the United States, but it's our favorite pastry here. Uh, what, what is it's it? It's a chocolate... Um, it's like a ding-dong, but a big, yeah, a bigger exactly, ding-dong. Yeah. What's it called? Joe Louis. Joe Louis. I, I would love to get you... Will you send, will you send me with some? With a beaver tail and a poutine. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm obsessed with, like, snack foods oh, really? from around the world. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm kind of weird. Like, when I, w- I went to Canada, to Vancouver a couple of months ago and got, like, all dress chips and ketchup oh, and, yeah. like, all, all the candy bars. And, like, I had we had a little little fun party with it. It was really cool. <laughs> a, a friend of mine works for ILM, and he was in town visiting his family last week, and he hadn't been back home for a couple of years. And all of his coworkers, it's always, like, bring me back those weird Canadian chips and... So that's what he brings back. I always forget what America has versus us, but is it, is it ketchup that we have? That Yeah, we don't have ketchup yeah. or all dressed. I was like, I don't even know what that means. I don't <laughs> know. Dill, what is dill it? pickle? Dill pickle, I think. We have it, but uh, I remember the I hostess used to have hot dog chips in Canada yeah. and pizza chips. Ugh. Yeah. We, yeah. Hot, dog hot dog chips. Dog chi- that's <laughs> ghastly. <laughs> I can send, we can send you a care package of crazy Canadian. Have you ever heard of a beaver tail? Uh, That's no. an Ottawa delicacy. Yes. Oh, what is that? It's like a. It's like um. I guess it's like paper candy, but the shit. The, it's like no, a pastry it's, shaped like a beaver tail. Yeah. Cinnamon, cinnamon, apple, cinnamon flavored. It's gorgeous. Wow, it's, that sounds amazing. It's lovely. That's like a yeah. It's like a chain. Any, I, I have a rule in my life that I always accept free cake from anybody oh, who sends it to me. Good. So <laughs> if if free cake comes my way, I'm not going to say no. We should send her a box of Joe Louis. <laughs> same year. Can't, they were invented the same year as the Mayfair Open. The last, oh, wow. the last time I was in, in so my wife works for, at the time worked for an event design company, so I rode her coattails and got to go to LA for, or sorry, Vegas for a week, and they had... Can I, what? can I just interrupt right there? I'm sorry. Yes. I'm from Las Vegas, okay. born and raised. Yeah. Can I just tell you that everybody in Las Vegas, Vegas calls it Las Vegas? Right. That's just... Not Vegas. Just, oh. Yeah, I've never called it that. But I'm from there, so what do I know? You know nobody Vegas. knows anybody. It's just from the Las tourists Vegas. call it Vegas. Exactly. So I'm letting you in on a little native secret. I will correct myself. So you guys were in Las Vegas, Las Vegas. And, and we had they had a crazy run of chips, and it was like sushi flavored and oh. and um, hot cross bun flavored and coffee flavored. But my my story in Las Vegas that got me a brief visit to L.A. 
was my backpack got stolen and it had everything in it. Oh, and no. because Las Vegas didn't have a consulate, uh, it be- I was very glass half full about it. It became a nice adventure, but my wife and I had to hop a bus, miss a day of work, bus to L.A., go to the Canadian consulate, fill out all the paperwork, and bus back to Vegas. And Las Vegas. Las Vegas. I need it again. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. And uh, my, my wife's dad was cool enough to, he knew a car service, so he got us a car. So this lovely woman drove us all over L.A. for like three hours while we got photos and signed things and did all this stuff, and she refused to let us walk anywhere, and so we like, at one point, we had finished everything we had to do. I would have, like, hugged the woman who got our stuff all figured out, but there was a glass wall between us. And we had some time to spare. And I said, oh, well, just bring us back to the bus station. And she's like, oh, my time's up, but that's fine. And she gave us a really brief tour of L.A., but we got to go down the, the highway and see all the sights. Went to, to Man's Theater, saw R2-D2's feet in the ground. and uh, But so that was my brief, like, three-hour tour of L.A. because... Some bastard in Las Vegas stole my wallet. <laughs> God damn that bastard. I know. So I have a question for you because, okay, so you're you're doing a few runs. Let's say a year from now, two years from now, Out of Print has done its circuit. What happens yeah. to those prints? Uh, of Out of Print itself? Yeah, because, I don't know. I only have one. For yourself. I just, because I... That- that's it. There's only one. There's only one print. The one, oh, really? The one you guys have is it. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's... So, like, I'm super panicky about well, it. There's some good hands yeah. here. Nothing will happen to it here. But that's I, don't, what I, I don't blame you for being panicky about it. But I also like showing prints that have history, and I wish sometimes prints could talk. You know, I wish they could tell me what it was like to screen in Israel or wherever it's yeah. been, you know? Yeah. They have a life. Yeah. Um, oh, you only have one. Okay. So, uh, when you're done, are you gonna, is it going to. You're, it's going to be in your possession? Yes. Okay, good. So for, for most most of the time, the print just lives in my house. And uh, and then I ship it out to wherever it needs to go. Have you heard stories about how the, the studios destroyed their prints? I have heard stories. Um, and I don't know, you know, like, because unless you're somebody like your Philadelphia friend who's a collector right. and have the money to do that, I don't really know how you can stop that you know yeah like the studios here threw it in the landfill that's oh god horrible. Just, there's horrible why images they, of it why don't they just give it to a museum or a library or something well there's the National Archives of Canada but they only they, they only take in Canadian films I'm talking about like every studio film like when we showed the, we had a James Bond festival and I had we had all the uh, like IB Tech prints of the first five James Bond films and I sent nice. them back they went on they went uh, in the bandsaw and they were, you know, taken off the oh reels, split on a bandsaw, and thrown into a into a landfill outside of Toronto. That's heartbreaking. I know. So, you know, I thought of you, you know, being a filmmaker, the director of the film, being very connected to your single print. I hope you, I, I hope you, you know, you take good care of it. I know you will, but I thought, yeah. I thought maybe there and might I, have been more. The places that it's gone are places that it, you know, I mean, are people who know how valuable this is. So I yeah. trust them too, and and honestly, and then this is not saying. And honestly, uh, I like scratches and stuff. Me too. Me know? too. I like being reminded when watching film. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I like those little, little So yeah. even if it gets scratched up a little bit, which it inevitably will, yeah. then, you know, that's fine with me. As long as nobody snips out any frames for themselves. As long as it's... Not like... 
Not like there's boobs in my movie, or anything, but you yeah, know. Never I wish there were. I'm sorry. We have a big drawer full of boobs here. <laughs> I bet you do. Platter scratches bother me. Do you have that rule that it's not to be screened on a platter? No. Because a lot of print collectors now have that. You, they say yeah. you can't show it on a platter. We don't have platters, but uh, yeah. Well, I know that changeovers systems are are even more rare than regular yeah. 35. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two projectors from the 40s. That's yeah, awesome. They're beautiful. What was the last screen, screening? We did a screening for like National Film Board or something a little while back, and it was like rules like don't don't look at the film don't touch the film don't think like it was, because it was like a nitrate yeah it was a yeah. nitrate film yeah. oh wow I mean, the plane, that's crazy planes in Canada are no longer allowed to fly nitrate prints they, they're only to be ground transported was that when we, we screened like the the like northern Canada documentary yeah uh, and we had like live music here with it it was years ago yeah. years ago but it, it was an old like Canadian documentary up in the, the wilds of Canada and we screened it on film, but it was like, be very careful with this film. <laughs> wow. I've never seen anything on nitrate. I bet that was gorgeous. It was. I've, I once, when I was going to Carleton University Film Studies, we went, we took trips to the Criterion Office, the Museum of Art, I guess, in New York City, and, and we got to see some nitrate prints there of old Pressburger films and Pal Pressburger films and... Yeah, it's it's nice, but yeah, no cinema would dare, not no many cinemas would dare show nitrate anymore. Yeah, but it's um, thirty five is you know I always like introducing a thirty five millimeter print. When's the last time you watched your print? Is your print your print scratched a little bit? Uh, I just watched it uh, like two weeks ago mm-hmm. in Omaha, and uh, a little bit there. There's I have to tell every projectionist this, so I'll tell you Please. guys now um, before you show it that the Q marks are not in good places. They're like in the middle of sentences, and uh, I know that drives projectionist bananas. Right. And I'm sorry, but watch out for okay. it. Well, we might we go. might put it on the tower reel, so we won't have to think about it. Oh, okay, we we do have a tower reel, which I do like using. Not a platter, a tower. Um, uh, yeah, no, no. My my son, uh, I, you know, it's fun introducing young people to to celluloid and having them appreciate mm-hmm. film grain and stuff. And even on the new battle, uh, the, the Star Wars Battlefront game for PS3, you can turn on a film grain on the game. Oh, really? And he was so excited to show me. Uh, yeah, do, do, you, uh, do you have any experience? I mean, I guess your film is not attracting a lot of young people, but, um, you know. But it, it, it has shown in, in universities. Oh, cool. Um, I did, a, I did a little circuit of the, some um, schools in Massachusetts, like Wellesley and Amherst. And uh, Wellesley's a girls' school, so it was all girls in the audience. But they there was a good crowd, maybe like 50 girls, and they didn't know what 35 millimeter was. Wow. Like, they had no idea there was a thing, you know? Yeah. And, and hearing them realize that and then go, oh, there's these cool movie theaters. I've never thought of that. And then go into the projection booth and actually see right. the actual projector. Like, it blew their minds. That's cool. And it's cool to watch them go, wow, I didn't know this thing existed and there's this place by my house that I've never been and now I'll try. So, like, that's the whole point of the film, yeah. if it can make somebody do that. So that made me feel awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, just the other day a friend randomly Facebook messaged me and said, so what's the deal with 35 millimeter?" And I had to go into this, like, little, like, film school few paragraphs <laughs> of saying, like, well, that's what 16 millimeter kind of looked like and it was kind of like this and your TV at home is kind of like 35 or kind of like a, like a flat presentation, you know, just kind of give it this most people. And and it's fine, but most people 
even some big film buffs just come see a movie and right. don't know it's magic back there. They don't know what yeah. the hell's going on. Yeah. I remember when we we, sp- we we had to raise all this money to switch to digital. Yeah. And people would come to the cinema and say to me, well, oh, I thought you guys were running DVDs for years. Yeah. <laughs> DVDs. <laughs> we were running DVDs. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, when you're younger, that's not something you really think about. But then when you do realize, oh, there's somebody up there personally running this for us, it's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember when I came here in high school... It, it could have been a better chain of events, but during Gremlins, right where the Gremlins were freaking out in the movie theater, the, the uh-huh. film broke. That's amazing. It, it, that makes that film so it much was better. This crazy meta weird moment where, for like a really long three seconds, everyone in the audience was like, "Wait, did that just ha- wait?" Are the Gremlins in the theater. Well, yeah. They, but they, he actually does that in Gremlins too. Yes. The, the film does break. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> See, you were—you knew—you knew what was going to happen to Gremlins yeah. 2 before it even existed. <laughs> so, speaking of, I just getting a little off topic of of, of your film, but mm-hmm. uh, you got to be in a Joe Dante movie. I did. Can you believe That's that? Crazy. And uh, I know it's still mind blowing. Um, and I'm so sorry to hear about Anton. Um, I just read your yeah your tweet about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah, he was really, really cool, and he came to the New Beverly all the time, and the whole time we were filming, we just talked about movies nonstop. Um, And, uh, you know, uh, yes, being in a Joe Dante movie is, I can't believe it, really, still, you know, because he's so knowledgeable about cinema, and so, like, he just knows everything, and he's very humble and and mellow. It's awesome. Did you go through... Did you just get asked to do that, or did you audition? Uh, they were going to be filming a scene at the New Beverly, and so I asked if I could just be an extra in the scene, and then he's like, hang on, I think I can do better than that. And mm-hmm. the character I was, I just have one line, right. but that character was supposed to be a guy. And then like, ah, oh, make it a girl. And um, I actually had a son that I had, like a little son that I like carried out, you know, pushed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he got cut, unfortunately. But um, I got, my, my line stayed in, so that made me pretty dang happy. That, that puts you well. Your your film and that now puts that six degree separation to a lot of more people now. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I haven't even done that for a while, so I should try. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not joking. I'm sitting here in the office, and I just happened to look up, and we have a Megaforce poster, the 30 year anniversary poster, says screened at the New Beverly, and it's signed by Hal Needham. The, oh, nice. I, the Mayfair lent you you our print of Hooper. Uh, which created okay. the New Beverly, and it came back. You guys, whoever shipped it back for the New Beverly, uh, they got uh, Hal Needham to sign it for us. That's <laughs> awesome. New Beverly's everywhere, and uh, yeah, we'll always think about you now when we're <laughs> looking at that. You, um, what? What else about the film? Uh, are you? Um, what other screenings do you have coming up? Uh, it's playing in some other theaters in Canada as well, yeah. um, and then. Uh, it'll be in the uh, in the at the Prince Charles Cinema, which is in the end of the film. Uh, it'll be screening there in September. Mm. Um, and it, it is, you know, it is a little weird though because I have this film now about a place that I don't work at right. anymore. Yeah, you have, you, you and, have a very strange. I guess it does happen to artists in various things. Whether you're, I don't know, a comic book writer, and then you break up with your publisher, or you're an actor and you leave a TV show, but. You have this very strange thing now where you're you've made this really great documentary, but you don't have a great connection with them anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it makes it not, you know, because when, when, when I first made it, it was a very joyful celebration. Yeah. And then it turned into, like, that's how I watched, you know, how I watched it. And then all of a sudden it was this really, like, sad, you know, death knell of this place that, like, you know, not, you know and I know, I'm, I'm sure they're doing great, but, you know, that kind of time of the guest programming series and the whole bit is, is gone. And I just wonder, like, how many people are going to watch the movie and go be, go to the new Beverly and be like, where's Julia? And they're going to be like, ah, she doesn't work anymore. Um, but people, you know, and people ask me, like, why don't you put a coda in and, like, say what happened to you? And, like, it doesn't matter, you know. Right. It's like the whole thing's, you know, now, of course, when I watch it, I wish I could have, I should have made it about, you know, a more general thing than just the new Beverly. But this message is the same. So that's why I think it's, it's good that it's still playing. Is there a home video release? Scheduled or? Uh, there will be, yes, uh, at the beginning of July, I believe, there's going to be a, excuse me, VOD and DVD release, I believe. Which is, which is extra ironical that it's a 35 millimeter, but I guess it happens to every film that it hits. Mm-hmm. I'm always surprised that there was such a long run of filmmakers being okay with VHS, which chopped up their film you know like yeah it went for so long you think somebody would have put their foot down earlier and been like no it has to be widescreen there were some filmmakers who kind of stood up to that especially like with the way their films were shown on television yeah but uh but yeah are you gonna be is there gonna be um extra stuff put in extra scenes anything like that uh yeah there should be some uh special features uh there were originally going to be a lot more but most of them are about the new beverly which i don't really want to put on now right. so, so it's the more like general questions but it's still going to be a little bit yeah it'll be cool and ch- checking out your imdb you've done a few other short films and other things like that in the past couple years or so as well Mm-hmm. And um, if you're into horror movies, as we discussed earlier, I'm in a couple. Uh, Delta Delta Die, which is a full moon uh, picture oh, cool. in which there are cannibalistic sorority girls. <laughs> so I'm in that in a in a skinny dipping scene. Although I I am the only person to not take off my clothes. So, <laughs> so, so sorry if you're excited. <laughs> Well, they, they said it, I got paid 50 bucks a day, and they're like, oh, if you take your clothes off, you'll get 100 bucks a day. And I'm like, no. No, no one's ever so. offered me that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do get covered in a bucket of blood, which was awesome to cross off my uh, bucket list. Yeah. Full moon's a, a bucket list. Sounds like a bucket list, too. Being yeah. Full moon yeah. Moon. Cool. Cool. Well, maybe uh, I think we're about at our time that we usually podcast okay. it up. Uh, anybody else here have any questions for Julie? Are you going to make another film? Like another documentary? or? A... Um, I'm really hoping to make another film, yes. Uh, but it is a feature narrative, not mm-hmm. a documentary. Um, so I'm, a, I'm, I'm at the stage where I'm wondering how I, how I get money for that is what I'm, you know, that's the, is not the, always the question, always. where's the money? You have to pay people to be naked in your movie. <laughs> Ah, but only a hundred bucks a day. So. They pay you to be naked in your movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, best of luck with that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad this worked out after our initial little technical difficulty. Not no problem. And, and, this was really nice. And you're our first. You're our first guest, and now we know we can do this. So we're yeah. gonna get more people to come on our little podcast. So lastly, if you were going to introduce the movie at the Mayfair, yeah, what would you yes. say? 
Hello Canada, and thank you for coming out to see my film out of print. And I'm so happy to see you all here. Uh, don't turn on your cell phones because you shouldn't turn off your cell, turn on your cell phone in a theater. And enjoy this flick. Good. Yay! <laughs> and rainbows for everybody. <laughs> rainbows. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, thanks again, Julia, and uh, we'll uh, keep you posted. We'll, we'll send you some pictures of uh, your title on our marquee and stuff like oh, that. Oh, awesome. That would be really great. If you guys have a physical calendar, too, I'd love one. Uh, yeah, we do. We have a, it's weekly, but yeah, we'll send you one. Yeah, we'll send you yeah. one. Sure. And some Joe and, Louis. And some, and some Joe Louis. Yeah, yeah. and some all-dressed chips. And, yeah. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Thanks so much, okay, you guys. Thank you. Bye. Have a good you night. Too. Bye. Bye. Yeah, we, I, for Father's